0: So I'll just um, start right away. Um, Welcome to Logos. Today, I'm joined by William Sheffield. First of all, it would be great if you could just give a brief introduction of who you are and what it is that you do.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on, Sebastian. Um, I am an actor. Uh, I've acted in different TV shows, movies, and i'm also currently a singer and a songwriter i'm developing that aspect of my career um in the past i've also done a lot of content and work in the keto carnivore uh, sort of biohacking sphere Um, i was co-author of the p.e diet with dr ted namen and i also co-authored a carnivore cookbook with brad kearns so i've been involved in in a lot of different fields in the past 5 years i would say
0: yeah and i found particularly interesting the diversity of what you do so not completely focusing on one pursuit but um yeah just doing something and then pursuing another idea of yours how would you say do you determine what you think is worth doing because of course you need some kind of talent and then the interest in it
1: absolutely um to me i i always give these passions and i give these interests time to develop Um, i don't immediately or rationally jump into anything and there's always a goal behind it but i have learned over time that there are times in your life when you want to be completely committed to one goal and there are times in your life where you can juggle multiple projects um for example when when we were writing these two books um that year i was completely committed to writing i wasn't involved in music i wasn't involved in acting um that was my complete focus uh, as well as creating content in that area same thing with um you know Say when I was acting on on the Power Rangers show, that was all I did for that entire year. But there have been other times, like in 2019, where I was, you know, creating keto carnivore content, promoting the books, doing uh, podcasts, running my own podcast, writing a newsletter, acting, um, learning music, singing, and songwriting, and doing all those things at once. And that was okay as well. Um, that was thought out and there was an intention behind that as well so i think at the end of the day it always comes down to your goals and you have to have priorities behind the goals and based on those priorities then you can determine how much you can afford to have on your plate and at any one time sometimes that's a lot sometimes that's just one thing
0: yeah of course um i i think that's a really good um definition of course you you On on a basic level, you always have an an infinite amount of goals. Um, For example, already when you go into a sphere of uh, wanting to become healthier, it is um, important to substructure maybe a biological goal of accumulating as much fat as you can in order to survive a cold winter to, um, yeah, I, I want to be healthy and look and feel good. And that, that kind of requires that you sacrifice these kind of present goals that give you a quick satisfaction for goals that are further in the future. So what would you say when you determine what you do? What, what is your primary factor for decision? Would you say it makes you personally happy or you think it kind of has a bigger purpose?
1: Yeah, no. Happiness is... I, I I wouldn't say that I need immediate happiness. That's not something that I chase. But fulfillment and being excited on a daily basis about what I'm working on, that's a big part of it. Um, I, I do approach it with there's a long-term plan, but the way that I get to those long-term goals that I have that are 20, 30 years out in the future is going to be very nonlinear. Um, it's going to be impossible almost to predict a, a set linear path as to how I'll achieve those. So in the short term, the most important thing is accumulating as much experience as possible and moving myself steadily in that direction. Um, and it's a little bit of following an inner compass. And I think that our inner compass guides us in the direction of curiosity and in the direction of passion. And I think that that's an important thing to pay attention to. You don't want to change your plans 180 degrees overnight anytime you pick up a new interest. So I have a friend who says that um, you wanna wait when making major decisions to the point where it's a good decision when you're sober and drunk. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so basically, you, you want to make sure that it's it's really a good decision to pursue that. Um, but yeah, for, for me, I, I definitely pay attention to the short term and the long term considerations. Um, and it's not always the most important thing to be super happy in the short term. But I do think that joy is a natural byproduct of following the right path for yourself.
0: Yeah, that's um, the the concept Um, you've just named, um, kind of this idea of following just your consciousness and that the best will come about by doing so. Um, I'm really intrigued by the concept um, that Carl Jung, um, the psychologist, proposes there with the idea that um, this is the voice of your unborn self that's kind of telling you where you can go. And I mean, it's obvious that most decisions are wrong and most ideas because um, of course, there's only one idea that can lead to the exact result you want. And what would you say? um, Okay, now you have a goal and you want to achieve it. Um, How do you go about strategizing or planning to get there?
1: I I let the goal take place in my mind over time. I, I don't immediately rush into it. But let's say over the course of two to three months, I've realized that this is slowly becoming more and more important to me. It's something that I think about more and more often. It's something that um, I'm always focused on working towards. That's when I start to realize that it's something that does matter to me. And maybe um, it's something that I, I want to make an immediate goal. So from that point on, I I have to get very clear with myself about what it is that I really want out of that. Is it something that um, I want to do for fun? Is it something that I want to pursue in a major way in a minor way? Um, But really, for me, I think about what's what's the long term aim with this? You know, where am I trying to go? And you could consider that in maybe a 10 year span. And then I would usually think, all right, in more of a a midterm, let's say six to 12 months, where would I want to go with this particular goal? And then I would think, okay, so what does that look like in terms of either a daily process or a monthly target that I need to hit, um, or maybe a weekly target. And once you get down to that sort of granular daily, um, let's, let's say within the frame of a month. That's when, in my opinion, you you kind of want to use your intuition, and that's when I believe that doing something is better than nothing. Um, and one way that I approach that, just so that I'm not just randomly doing stuff, is that I will basically make a list. It's very similar to um, an approach that Tony Robbins calls RPM, which is results planning method, or actually rapid planning method, I think it is. Um, but it it focuses on results, purpose and massive action plan. So long story short, you've got a goal, you have a reason for pursuing it. And then you determine what action is gonna get you to that goal. And essentially give yourself five to 10 minutes, write down absolutely everything you can think of that could potentially get you towards that goal. And then what I do is I will start to rank those um, I'll basically prioritize that list. You could do A, A, B, C, D. You could do one, two, three, four, five. You could uh, prescribe points to them, but um, I think I think I'll usually just number it. And by that point, you'll see the top one, two, and three actions. That's usually where I try to put my time into because I think that's where you'll get the best return on your on your investment of time. And yeah, and then that just becomes part of my my daily schedule or my weekly or my monthly goals. and those are things that I begin to pursue. Um, and that's 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 really how I approach goals. i mean, i've I've tried a lot of different systems, but I found that one of the most important things is simply the ability to take action. So you could have the best system in the world, but if you're not actually taking action on that, then it's it's kind of pointless um at the same time you do want to have some sort of prioritization around what you're doing otherwise you can just you know be spinning in circles and end up nowhere after 10 years
0: right yeah um what i found to be extremely useful is kind of like a similar approach but um basically putting this into my calendar um, and getting the the closer the date becomes, making my plans more uh, higher in resolution, so really broadly shaped out in the future, but when it comes to months, weeks and uh, especially days to really shape out what I have to do and i I, I guess many people would um, see this rather as a constriction than freedom, um, but it's it's a real relief not to be worried about, okay, what do I have to do today? Um, because, of course, we have to do something. That's, um, yeah, as you said, it's better than doing something than nothing. And if you actually um, decide what you're going to do, it becomes way easier um, because you can link the action to the reward. Because you know, yeah. okay, if I'm going to do this today, tomorrow, then I'm going to be there in a week, especially when it comes to, um, yeah, for example, health-wise ideas, um, people have seem to have, um, a special difficulties with maintaining such habits.
1: That's true.
0: And, um, I, yeah, your, the approach of your PE diet with Ted naiman I found it really interesting because it's kind of, um, and I believe that was your goal to get out of these typical dietary doctrines and just look at basically how do we work and what would be optimal. Could you kind of give the um, elevated pitch for how this works?
1: Yeah, so the PE diet stands, PE stands for protein to energy ratio. And we coined that PE diet term to essentially encapsulate a diet that focuses on increasing your protein to energy ratio, because that tends to be one of the top one or two actions that you can take that will dramatically affect, the vast majority of your other biomarkers and health markers in a positive direction. So when we talk about protein and energy, Protein, you know, being simply the protein macronutrient, energy being uh, the carbohydrate macronutrient and fat macro. So those are your two energy macros. The body is not super well adapted to using protein for energy as an energy substrate. So we've got protein and you've got your energy, uh, your energy calories. And the idea is that the higher up you ratchet that protein to energy ratio, While still allowing yourself to eat to satiety, you will essentially over time gain better satiety at a lower ad libitum uh, caloric intake. Um, It'll lead to increases in, in lean muscle mass and decreased fat mass. And one of the most beautiful things about this for me was simply the fact that over time, it changes your ad lib caloric intake that's what I experienced. Um, that's what many other people that have done the PE diet have experienced. Um, when you look at protein overfeeding studies and, and studies where they, they increase protein over time, you'll see that that happens as well. And there's a huge difference between eating, let's say, you know, skinless boneless chicken breast ad lib as opposed to donuts ad lib. Um, it's you're, you're going to get full and you're going to get satisfied at a much lower calorie set point. So that's one of the the beautiful things about the PE diet and the other side of it that we promoted, I'd say there's two other main components. One is an aspect of time restricted eating. So we promote a very basic 16, eight sort of eating style where you've got your 16 fasted hours. You know, that can, that can be as simple as skipping breakfast, having a cup of black coffee or some tea in the morning, um, basically avoiding calories in the morning, having a good lunch and dinner. And during that lunch and dinner, you know, that's where you're getting in the bulk of your protein and your calories. And then that allows you another 16 hour window where you can burn through some of that fat. You can upregulate a lot of the hormones, uh, that come with fasting and experience you know elevation in the autophagy process so it's a very convenient way to live and to eat you know it's two meals a day it doesn't get a lot more simple than that Um, two meals a day where you're focused primarily on whole food protein sources Um, we tend to recommend animal sources just for um, the sheer uh, bioavailability of a lot of the nutrients um, the nutrient density of those foods So we tend to recommend that as well as maybe some non-starchy vegetables or low sugar fruits. And then the third component of the PE diet uh, structure would be finding that minimal effective exercise requirement. So Dr. Naiman has seen thousands and thousands of patients throughout the years. um, And what he's found is that when you can really bring it down to what's most effective, And what's so simple to do that there's really no excuse? And what he came down, uh, what he came up with was essentially this 15 minute, one set to failure on multiple body parts uh, type of workout, where let's say you choose a pushing movement, a pulling movement, and a leg movement, and maybe something for the core. You do one set to failure of push ups, one set to failure of pull ups, uh, one set to failure of squats or jump squats or anything like that. And then maybe some sort of leg raise for the abs. Um, if if you are a complete beginner, or you haven't really developed strength, um, there's a lot of pulling variations that don't require you to do pull ups. Same thing with the chest. Um, you don't have to be doing push ups, you could be doing push ups against a wall and then slowly change that angle over time. So the idea was, everybody's got 15 minutes a day during their lunch break. You can experience pretty impressive results with this. And Dr. Ted Name is a great example of that. He's built his, his physique around um, calisthenics and around this style of training that doesn't require the gym membership, doesn't require uh, very complicated, time-consuming programs. So that's basically the PE diet philosophy in a nutshell. And the idea was to make it as simple and effective as possible. And kind of like the goal setting strategy we were talking about, focusing on the top two to three most powerful practices you could incorporate into your life that will have a cascade of benefits throughout the rest of your life.
0: Right. And this actually um, compared to much of what's publicly adhered um, sounds, as you said, extremely simple and compelling to engage in. And it becomes obvious that this is really important um, when the state of our health um, is just simply observed. And eating more protein, a short workout, as well as not eating all the time. Um, That does not really seem as such a great restriction. So what would you recommend somebody, where we would take the worst case we could imagine with really bad habits and perhaps very overweight? Uh, How would you say, could someone even get started?
1: In my opinion, the most powerful thing you can do when you're starting to build good habits is rather than to focus on getting rid of your bad habits i would say focus on things that you can do um let's let's call these positive habits rather than negative habits let's say a negative habit is uh you know let's say you drink coke every day no more coke no more soft drinks that would be a negative habit let's say a positive habit would be to drink um uh, four glasses of water a day. So that's something that you can do rather than to restrict yourself at something that you can proactively do. And what I would recommend is adding in as many of those positive habits as you can over time. So let's start super simple. I would say personally, um, if you're trying to turn around your, your diet and your lifestyle, let's, let's just say, because I think what m- more people experience is being overweight, let's say you're overweight, you have more body fat than you'd like, um, but you've had a really hard time controlling your diet in the past. Uh, Sometimes you exercise, sometimes you don't. It's really tough to stick to that habit. I would say first thing you can do. I know we talked about fasting before. Let's forget about fasting completely. First thing in the morning, um, whatever you'd usually eat for breakfast, cool. But what we're going to do is add in three eggs, or maybe we'll add in um, a, a serving of, of steak or some sort of maybe lean red meat. Um, maybe even simpler, if you want to go simpler, and you're saying, ah, I don't have time to cook in the morning, there's no time for that. You add in a protein shake, you're now starting your day with a little extra protein, um, which over time, it's, it's going to help you ratchet up that protein to energy ratio, which is that is the key to sort of effortless, let's not say effortless, everything takes effort, but a much more uh, simple and effective weight loss. So you add that in there. And then let's say you decide to set a little goal for yourself to eat three or four eggs a day. Um, Boom, now you're having your protein shake, you've got some eggs going on, Uh, that's fantastic. So now you decide, all right, Still going to eat the usual stuff that I eat, but I'm going to see if during my lunch break at work or whenever I am going to try to have a little bit of chicken or I'm going to have a little bit of salmon. I'm just going to bring this little bit to work or I, I could even just go to the store, and pick up some sort of um, some sort of already made chicken. Boom, I'll have a little bit of chicken. Now you are slowly starting to displace a lot of foods that maybe were processed or not healthy for you or full of sugar and vegetable oils, you're displacing them with protein. So rather than restricting yourself and cutting all these things out, you're kind of crowding out your hunger for junk with some super nutritious foods that are full of protein. Um, that's That's really, in my opinion, the best way to start going about it. and just slowly adding those things over time. To the point where, over the over a course of three to six months, your diet is primarily healthy. It is primarily where you want it to be. Um, I think there's always room for maybe a ten percent diet variation, where you want to have a cheat day or a little carb meal at night or whatever it happens to be. But the vast majority of your diet is healthy. I think that's that's the best way to go. Um, For me, I think some people do better with the all or nothing approach. So let's say, you know, you hit rock bottom, um, you feel like life can't get any worse, maybe you got a bad diagnosis from the doctor or something major happened in your life and you feel like you're at the bottom and you decide, okay, I can't take this anymore. Starting tomorrow, I'm not eating carbs, I'm not eating sugar, I'm cutting all this junk out of my diet I'm throwing all the all the junk out of my fridge. And I'm going to start a carnivore diet or a keto diet or a paleo diet or a fasting approach. And you just go all out. Some people do much better on that. The only thing I would say with that is if you do that, you have to have a strong enough motivation to get you through the habit creation phase, which can be difficult. You're going to have some difficulty there there has to be such a compelling reason that you realize okay i'm sticking with this no matter what there's no other course of action for me most people don't have something that powerful to motivate them so that's why i would i would recommend sort of the displacing things with protein strategy and that's that's where i would honestly say people should start I I don't, I'm not a fan of doing, you know, starting right off the bat with some sort of long fast or a juice cleanse or something like that, because if you've been eating kind of crappy foods in the past, your body is already undernourished. And then to further restrict what you're eating, it's only going to make you more hungry and more craving for foods after that period of time. So I think you really want to replenish your body in the beginning, rather than just cutting everything out. Um, so I, I hope that that's a, a first step that people can take.
0: Yeah. Um, so I would generally agree, mostly. Um, and this is, I believe, a core question, kind of, and this can of course be applied universally, whether a kind of. If you could say soft approach of slow improvement is better, or um, the kind of all or nothing, as you said, because of course um, the the latter would be the best you could do. So of course you have to decide that. And my opinion would be that this is the best option you can choose because then you as well not only form a habit of and let's say in this case healthy eating but always choosing the best option even if it's inconvenient what's really important is you don't want to fail so um, you don't want to make it too hard that you will fall back because then you you kind of your brain recognizes okay I cannot do this and it becomes even harder but I I think the best That one can do is to go as hard as you can or would you disagree there
1: with that i would say it depends on where your priorities are in life um if health is your number one priority and it's been your number one obstacle let's say that's been the thing that you've had the most trouble with and you've experienced the most negative consequences with i think in that case it would be good to try the all or nothing approach and to to just go all out because you will feel a dramatic change. But if it's not something that is at the top of your priority list, and let's say your major goal in life at the time is to, um, let's say it's to get a promotion or maybe you're working on a project or you're building an app, and that's where all of your focus is going. In that case, that's when I think that people should try more of the habit creation and slow and steady process in other areas of their life, like their health, because let's say health is now number two or three or four on your priority list. Um, It's going to take a lot more effort and willpower for you to apply and stick to that all or nothing approach in health if that's like the last thing on your mind and you're super focused on work. And at any one time, we can only have one top priority. Um, it's, it's really, the word, the word priority originally did come as the number one thing. So I, I personally believe that it ultimately depends on what priority a certain goal takes in your life. There are certain things in my life where I go all out with. And again, that's usually the, the number one priority stuff. And then there's other things in life where it's not my top priority, um, for a certain period of time. So I will simply build good habits around it and run it on autopilot. Um, but I, I really do think it it is dependent. Some people do great with all or nothing. And some people just their psychology and the way that they work, they do really badly with that. So it's, I think it's, um, it's something that probably requires a bit of uh, trial and error and a bit of self-awareness about what your motivations are behind something. Um, but for, for example, I, when I was 15 to 18 years old, I had severe, severe acne, and nothing mattered more to me than clearing my skin, like nothing. I remember thinking to myself, man, what would I sacrifice for this? And there was almost nothing I wouldn't sacrifice to have clear skin. It was the most important thing in my life. I would spend hours and hours and hours studying how to clear my skin, um, trying all kinds of different diets. In that period of life, I had no problem going all or nothing because there was nothing more important to me than that. When I was pursuing a career in acting, and it was my first year, there was nothing more important to me than booking a major role, and everything else was secondary to that. Um, all that mattered was gaining that experience and booking that role and doing what it took to do that. So in that period of life, I would have done everything for that, but other habits of my life, um, it wouldn't have been as important for me. So yeah, I, I, that would be, that would be my honest answer. I think it depends on your priorities.
0: Yeah, you. Sure. Yeah. You you need to, um, and I believe this has to be the case always, because you you can't pursue health for the sake of health. This doesn't make sense. Um, speaking biologically, you of course want to survive. Um, in I, I guess in the number one, um, this is the number one priority for everyone because everything depends on this. Of course, you could be suicidal, but um, if you don't take this into account, then everything depends on this. And let's say your number one priority is um, your acne, in this case, then of course, as soon as your life would be threatened, you wouldn't care anymore about this at all. So this is kind of really the, the perspective that you adopt. And um yeah. yeah, so to to build up kind of a value structure that um, you kind of could adopt in any situation, now we would have health, then like something important to do, whether it's it's for monetary purpose or a career like that. Um, then in in the pursuit of this, um, and that's I think uh, is the number one reason. To socialize because it just makes everything easier for you as a group animal um, in your herd, and of course, as a team, you can work better. But, um, how important would you say is education?
1: Uh, how would you define education?
0: Yeah, sure, um, that's important. I, um, so, personally, I I'm not really um, that into the idea of what's um, currently going on in with college and higher education. Um, and I'm not really a fan of the system of education in general, but I would say um, just your field of knowledge that you interpret the world with.
1: OK. I, I I definitely put that very, very high up there. Um, I mean, I think the, the major things that I tend to focus on in my life is every day doing something for the body to develop the body, doing something to develop the mind, which usually means some form of education. Um, and then at the same time, doing things to contribute to my major goals in life. And those those I think, are all parts of being a a full human being and there's there's the social component to that as well um, but yeah i put I put education very high up there. I think it's something like you know brushing your teeth or or taking a shower or eating every day if if you can find the time to read at least one page a day or listen to an audiobook for at least five minutes a day, I think everyone can do things like that so um, I think that's super important. And over time, as you accumulate more exposure to different books, different ideas, different figures throughout history, different concepts, it really widens the horizon of what you can do in your life. Um, if If you you know are born and raised in one town and you're surrounded by the same people all the time, you go through the traditional um, education system and then you go into the workforce, you specialize in your particular job, and that's primarily what you do. Let's say job insecurity happens, there's an economic um, upheaval, or maybe your job is displaced by robots, whatever whatever ends up happening, that's a risky position to be in. And also you don't really know what options you have outside of that. So I think you always kind of want to stay ahead of the curve with that. And at the same time, um, you can take the knowledge that you're developing through reading books or taking courses or watching videos and you can apply that to completely different fields. Um, I'll, I'll read books on history sometimes or, or great figures and I'll think to myself, how can I apply that in my music career? How can I apply that with my personal brand? Um, you know, and, and you can really apply these things to a lot of different areas of life. You can look at tiny little daily routines that um, you know people people have incorporated into their life. You could take that and and adopt it and see how that works for you. So education's a major, major part of it. Um, I think back to my personal development journey really began when I was about nineteen or twenty. Um up until then, I was, uh motivated and ambitious but um i i didn't really practice any form of personal development besides you know trying to get good grades and be a good athlete so i remember when that process began and it began with me thinking all right what am i going to do with my life i'm i'm just about to start this whole life i'm about to you know finish college what am i going to do the first thing that i started with was books and it was immediately reading your classic self-help personal development books like Think and Grow Rich and The Seven Habits and The Compound Effect and The Miracle Morning and The Science of Getting Rich. and uh, What else? There's, there's so many of these. Uh, Win Friends and Influence People, The Traveler's Gift. There's a lot. That's where my journey started. And every single one of those books that I read, it just opened my mind to all of these different things I could achieve. And you fast forward five years and my life is completely different. Um, So I'm a I'm a big, big believer in devoting a little bit of time every day to learning something new or to reading a book or to watching an educational video.
0: Yeah, I um, I agree with that. Um, to to kind of play devil's advocate, what would you say um, or the other view of course, would be all the time you spend doing this, you could um simply do the things you would do otherwise of course you you somehow have to know what to do. that's what education is good for, but at one point, of course you just have to do it and mm-hmm. If society would be perfect, there so so if the real perfect the kind of ideal space of living, there there wouldn't be any reason for educating yourself, because the grand narrative that um, those around you would teach you would be completely sufficient. So everybody would know how to live healthy, how to yeah be successful like this. Um, but but now we have this responsibility of um, yeah, deciding ourselves how to educate and um, it, it doesn't kind of, it's it's not causal for success. So you can read all these books, but if you do nothing about it, it doesn't matter at all. Um, how would you say, where was the point? You, you told yourself, okay, um, now I'm going to rather do things than read things.
1: I think simply from reading the books, I would get so excited by the ideas and I would get so motivated to try them that it led to me taking action. Um, and over time, you definitely can get too caught up in personal development. And I think at the beginning I did, and maybe the first six months, um, I, I, I was... Spending a lot of time, you know, on these books and and creating this perfect daily routine and all these kind of things, um, and there has to be a balance at the end of the day. Yes, you want to have your daily routines. Yes, you want to be reading and and you know taking care of your mind. Maybe have a meditation practice. Have um, all of these sorts of routines, but <laughs> that can't be the crux of your day because you're not actually doing anything. You're, it's like doing a bunch of prehab or rehab and not actually playing a sport. You're just preparing your body for what? Nothing. So I think that definitely action, I think that should always be a larger part of the equation, you know, 80 to 90%. But at the same time, you know, if you're constantly just focused on action, um, I think I think you can always sharpen your tools, and I think that reading these books and exposing yourself to different ideas that you wouldn't come into contact with on a usual daily basis can bring innovative outside thinking to the things that you're currently doing and can bring a fresh perspective to what you're currently doing. That you wouldn't be able to find just in your usual day to day environment. and one of the ways that I often think about this is if somebody has lived 70 years, and this is a great historic figure, and they've accumulated so much knowledge, so much experience, and they put that into a book, and you read that book, you're you're gaining so much knowledge and wisdom from that person. It's, it's very similar to the role that elders used to have in, in the tribal system. Um, they would impart wisdom, they would impart knowledge. And these days we don't really have elders. Some families might have a grandparent who, you know does that sort of thing, but um, from the the way I was raised, we didn't we didn't have some sort of elder mm-hmm. village custom. There was nothing like that. So I think that you can gain so much knowledge um from these books. And I would encourage people to try not to give themselves the excuse. Of I'm too busy, or I have too much to do, because that's that's always been an excuse for everything, right? I'm too busy to work out. I'm too busy to eat healthy. Um, I, I work too hard to get enough sleep. I work too hard to read every day or to listen to an audiobook. Um, if there are CEOs, if there are you know super busy people that can do these things, then most likely the average person can. Um, if the Pope and the president can find time to work out, I'm sure most of us can find time to work out. So yeah, to to me, I I always kind of remind myself, try not to give yourself that excuse. Um, because I I do think that that can be a little bit of an excuse at times. Um, even, even as much as five minutes or one page of a book is going to be better than not reading at all.
0: Sure. Um, I, I guess a good equation would be like weed um, as much as you need. So you can do the things um, you want to do and be secure that you will be successful. So you you don't rely on, of course, luck is always a part of everything, but to the degree that you're able to control everything. And um what What is the of the fundamental matter? Of course, when you when you gain insight from somebody else, you kind of have to rely that they are telling the truth, and they're actually providing useful information. And that's why again, I again believe literature especially, and as well these kind of, yeah, as you said, these brilliant minds that share their thoughts are so useful because you can you can inhabit a part of their ideas, even though you might not be a fraction of um, what they are in intelligence or um, just conscientiousness. So yeah, that's really useful for people, I would say. And the time aspect, uh, this is my personal anecdote, but ever since I've And this may be kind of extreme for people, but um, I maybe spent in um, 10 minutes on exercise and half an hour on food a day, eating one time and working out before that. And it has made me all the time I've spent on finding and improving a routine has made me so much more productive that it paid out exponentially. So I believe these kind of excuses you mentioned are rather, well, um, yeah, that's exactly what they are. Excuses for the inconvenience this provides. Um, And there, this um, is a different point where um, it comes to the goal setting. And there's where I kind of, this is um, rather like, my, my idea, what I find a bit difficult, because of course, you have to not only pursue something that is good for you, but as well for others. And in your acting career, um, I've heard a talk you've given. And at the beginning, you kind of mentioned a joke. Um, you, You would guess then it would be really useful not only to provide entertainment, but as well the kind of health education to kids so it can be as well really hard to distinguish between um, providing something useful or actually providing damage Um, and i'm not implying uh, this is way too complicated to um, say such a thing but the question arises all this work that's going into yeah just making an awesome series for example um, whether that's even having a positive effect because many have provided or um, devoted their lives to what they truly believe in and at the end completely created chaos.
1: Yeah, that's, that's very, very true. I think there have been a lot of people that have passionately devoted their lives to a cause. And it probably had a net negative effect on the world. So that's that's an interesting concept. And it kind of makes you wonder, how do you navigate that moving forwards? And I suppose it's, it's a lot easier in hindsight to see when people have had a negative effect on the world, if their efforts were misplaced or not. Um, I think you know a lot of the times it's easy to paint people in the light of history as on the right side or the wrong side of history. Um, one, one, I guess, kind of guiding principle that I have is to consider my intent behind doing certain things and to make sure that my intent is positively aligned with my conscience and if it is, and if the action or the mission or the goal in question is something that I've given enough time in my spirit or in my mind to ponder and to turn over and to think about, and if it still feels right, that's when I'll move forward with it. Because ultimately, <laughs> I, I can't see 2020 what effect all of the things that I do will have. And okay. that applies to the positive and the negative.
0: Well, I guess on, on, only when you're drunk and sober.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> if the idea makes sense when you're drunk and sober. So, yeah, to to me, I, I guess the most important thing is I think it's far more dangerous sometimes um, really to not take action and to not do what, what our purpose is to do. Um, I think I think there's been so many more, you know, lives that have been destroyed, quietly destroyed that we don't know about because of that, because of people that have either turned away from their calling or have uh, avoided it out of fear or avoided it out of social pressure. And, you know, maybe that's that's created anger or resentment inside of them. And that's been passed on to the next generation. You know, it's it's very very difficult to see these things clearly because there's a huge cause and effect chain going on. So to me, I'm I'm always focused on just taking action towards those major goals. Um, it's hard to justify this concept, but I feel that God put those goals and those desires inside of me for a reason. Um, however, you want to define God, and I figure that they're there for a reason. I'm going to pursue them. And <laughs> so far it's, it's gone well enough. And uh, I hope it continues that way.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, me too. To, to kind of summarize this in my own ideas, you, yeah, we've talked about, you have kind of different goals and you have to substructure them. And what you define, define as God um, and, in this kind of postmodern nihilistic society we have pretty much lost the, the sincerity of belief and a- the the idea of atheism has spread rapidly um, but i would say for for the rational thinking mind god would be the the best possible future that that we could achieve if we were were impersonating Jesus, so doing everything as best as we can. And um, I've named this show actually um, Logos. That's Greek and in, in the biblical uh, idea, it stands for acting truthfully in the pursuit of love. So you, you are honest, um, but your actual intent is to want the best for everyone. And it's, it's kind of crazy to think about the idea to lift it out fully, um, kind of like what Jesus, this this story is about. Whether you believe it or not, this um, does really matter because it just provides an example for everyone.
1: I, I completely agree with that. And that's, that's really the way that I've approached my lifestyle and I, I would also say my faith. Um, I think it was... I forget who it was if it was like Voltaire or Descartes but someone had the concept that if you believe in God and God exists fantastic if you believe in God and he doesn't exist what did it hurt right and I've always thought the example that I've been given through faith and as well as that concept of logos and doing things as best as you can do them in the example of Christ or a figure like Christ, um, there's there's not too much else you can strive for or strive to do in life beyond that. That's that's a fantastic example. So yeah, that's that's the way that I've approached it. I think that um, parts part of the the fruit of faith is action and taking action in the right direction. So yeah I, I would say I agree with that statement. That makes a lot of sense.
0: <laughs> Maybe
1: um, it's, it's really it's really not something yeah. I think about too often though. I got to admit it's it's almost like faith plays a part in my life and it governs and guides my decisions. But it's not something at this point in my life that I care to dissect anymore. I think early on it was very important for me to dissect it and to understand. Okay, is this real? Is this not real? What's believable here? What hypocrisy has there been in this tradition or that tradition? And at this point, I figure it serves a very important function in my life, and I just keep it going that way.
0: Well, there's there's this idea of um, the imitation of Christ, and it kind of speaks of your if you were in this position you would do exactly that you wouldn't be studying philosophies in order to find it you would just adopt it and yeah. of course that's that's far different than what one talks about <laughs> in fact most if we're not committed to this idea of honesty with unfortunately few people are because it's quite difficult to be honest um then then the simply the um the difference between what you say and do is um, so great that it doesn't really matter what you think because you have to act it out in some way, and this is kind of a paradox because you can't be Christ if you try to imitate him, but imitating him means that you are not christ and um, that's yeah I, I can really get that um, it you you can be um, really educated and know things but fundamentally it comes down to what you do and yes yeah that's um that's a great point and it's it's kind of like it's another um it's kind of the opposite because f- somehow you have to stop thinking if you're constantly thinking you're not acting out so um and that's like this idea of carpe diem, i think which, which many interpret kind of like of the opposite as what it is. Um, thinking like it's the pursuit of short term pleasure or something <laughs> to live in the day, but YOLO. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But YOLO of course can exactly mean, okay, you only live once. So make the best of it. Um, yes,
1: exactly, exactly.
0: Um, it's yeah, that's a great com- um, great idea.
1: There, there was something that I had posted, I think, on my Instagram where I put as the caption <laughs> in a moment of, of courageousness. I put at the end of my life, there will be no unanswered questions. Um, I may not I may not accomplish like everything that I set out to do, but at least I'll never have to ask myself the question. What if? And that's the way that I approach Carpe Diem or YOLO, whichever you want to choose, um, that's that's the way that I approach it, you know, we've, we've been given this, this very, very precious opportunity to live life, and in some ways, this is very much like a game, and it very much is a game that you can play to the best of your ability, and you can level up, and you can see how far you can go. And you can grow as much as possible and you can, you know, like any RPG that you play, you try to, you try to maximize all of your different skill sets and go on quests and gain experience and you meet people along the way and it's, it's a hell of a journey. And life is very similar to that, but I think most people don't realize that. Most, most people think that their life or their path is almost kind of carved out for them. So they never go on that adventurous journey. Um, usually out of fear, right? Because it's, it's a scary thing to do. And I totally get that. But I think that I, I've always believed that it's worth doing. And I kind of approach it. Now I'm starting to realize that that maybe it's a stoic philosophy, but I, I've kind of approached it from that deathbed perspective, looking back, thinking, in the grand scheme of things, going for the things that you fear was not actually that scary you know if let's let's say for me if i was scared to release music um which which you are deathbed
0: of of course you are um yes i i
1: I am i am um that and basically everything else i do and i thought if i allowed that to stop me and let's say you're on your deathbed and you look back and, and you regret that how scary was it really in the grand scheme of things how how terrible was that really if 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 your friends think wow you know your song sucks or if uh your your parents question your decision or um any of these things that we fear and we think oh god what if and usually it's judgment i think that's a lot of the time it's either judgment or financial instability i think are is what a lot of people fear um But at the end of the day, man, humans are so capable and so adaptable and so resilient. And when we're placed in difficult situations and when we're placed in um, uncertain situations, we're very, very quick to assess our circumstances and our surroundings and to adapt and figure out what we need to do to succeed and overcome. So I feel like at the end of the day, you don't want to live a, a pointlessly risky life, but I do think that you should take risks in the pursuit of your deepest desires and the things that you want to accomplish. Um, and I don't think fear should be your reason for not having done those things.
0: Huh. Well, um, you kind of always have to take risk, uh allowing myself some, sure. quite, some quite dark humor. Um, if. If we would now have extreme food shortages, both of us would be in um, opposition to the general population, quite difficult situation in, for survival and that could be a risk, you know <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, you have to decide that it's worth it, and there there's kind of the the idea of you maybe have to transcend biology because your body is telling you what to do but sometimes mm-hmm. especially in our modern times um the body isn't adapted to what's really good for us and not only on a level of health but as well this kind of risk aversion we have so it's way more um we, we care more about what we may lose than what we could gain for example with financial stability so um yeah entrepreneurship or such pursuits are we we kind of um, yeah, um, of course, and everyone is faulty of this, but um, we aren't aware of what we actually would be able to do because we're scared that it might go wrong to, yeah to not overstate this. Um, people are extremely different. and for for example, from your perspective, it's quite difficult, and of course I can't assess this perfectly. But it's quite difficult to um, think about how someone else would be, and uh, I'm, I'm um, faulty of to to kind of say, okay, why isn't this person um, doing the same or as successful as myself? Um, the difference is merely in IQ, IQ, um, and conscientiousness. And the impact on life are enormous. Kind of one third of the population are between an IQ of 85, and not even capable of um, executing basic orders. And that's really difficult to to do such things. So you could say that this is um, kind of an awful privilege that you have um, but of course, you could use the responsibility to boost others. Um, so what would you think how How can you empower someone even if they're not as capable?
1: I think that's that's a really good point. we We are not all given the same abilities or talents or the same starting point in life. It's really not a fair race. At the same time, if we're here, and we do have a hand that we've been dealt, ultimately, it is up to us as to how we play that hand. And at the end of the day, it's always most advantageous to, to play the hand to the best of our ability, advantageous to ourselves, to our family, to our society, um, to the world in general. So I think at whichever starting point you're at in life, you you want to seek to do the absolute best you can throughout that journey and the end result of that may not always look like success um survival sometimes might be the best um which that's that's a tough thing to say but it it really does depend on the individual so that's that, that's, that's a really, really interesting point because, yes, we're definitely not all starting from the same place or with the same tools or abilities. Um, so with that being said, you brought up another important point about whether or not it's our duty to empower others um, if we have certain abilities, if we have the ability to, um, to make good decisions or to process and digest information, take action on it. Um, and I'm I'm a strong strong believer in that. Um, I I do believe that it's our obligation, if you are gifted in a certain way, to share those gifts with your community or with society. Um. Yeah, it's, it's as simple as that. I I just feel that that's an obligation that we have.
0: Absolutely, it's and. Um I think Nietzsche as well said this, that um, everyone is the unconscious exponent of a dead philosopher. And of course, it's not always that, but given the example, not everyone can understand the science of nutrition and what makes us healthy. But when you write a book about that, and I read it, and I can understand the information and apply it, then you have given me the extreme gift um, that I can improve my life to a great degree. And yeah, it's, it's kind of like if you imagine Monopoly and at the beginning of the game, some people are granted already houses and um, spots, but not that at the end of the game, only one survives. It's rather the idea that everyone can get better. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a zero-sum game everyone can yeah succeed and that's that's such a hopeful idea. It's not this socialist view of the power struggle and when one has to when one improves another one has to decline. And um, yeah. That, yeah I think that's the most hopeful thing we have as humanity. Otherwise it would be quite a yeah pointless um life.
1: I I I agree with that. Um, I I want to give one quick example. I just saw my laptop said low battery, and I do not have my charger with me. Um, So just a heads up if if my laptop disappears, you'll know why. Um, But so we're we're talking about having certain talents, sharing them with the world. An example that this reminds me of, and we had kind of touched on um, a, a little bit about faith and things like that earlier on. But there is the biblical story of having these, I, I forget exactly how this story goes, but I think essentially there's three servants, they're each given um, a certain number of, let's say, gold pieces. Um, one buries the gold piece and does nothing with it. Um, one goes out and I think multiplies it to maybe two more gold pieces And the other is able to go out and multiply it into five gold pieces. And the one that was able to multiply it the most heard, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. The one that just buried it away and then came back to the master and said, look, master, I've I've got it. I didn't lose it. Here it is. It's still here. Um, And the master wasn't as pleased with him. And. Who knows if there is a master that will, at the end of our lives, say, hey, I gave you this number of gold pieces. Maybe everybody gets different amounts, but I gave you this number of gold pieces. How many did you bring back to me? And some people will bring back less. Some will bring back the same. Some will bring back more. I get the feeling that a big part of our responsibility and duty here in life is to bring back as many of those gold pieces as possible, which simply put means. Maximizing our abilities and our talents and our skills sharing them with the world as much as we can and making the biggest and most profound impact, we can in the world with the talents that we have that can mean writing books and doing tv shows and things like that or it can mean raising your children the absolute best you can being involved at your at your local schools at local charities being involved in your church community being involved in organizations and causes that you believe in um, being a strong and valuable member of the community developing great friendships and relationships There's no one right way to do it. It doesn't have to look like the Instagram ideal or some, you know, uh, millionaire success story. It doesn't have to look like that. But for each of us, there is a way for us to maximize those talents and to grow them as much as possible so that hopefully at the end of our lives, if there is a final judgment, we will get to hear, you know, well done, good and faithful servant."
0: Um, yeah, I can, I can only agree. I believe that's a great way to end this and a good philosophy to apply. So thanks for coming on. Um, just to give the quick information, where can people find you and yeah, how to interact with your work.
1: Well, thanks for having me on Sebastian. It's very, very fun to discuss ideas like this. Um, these don't get discussed very often in everyday life. So it was great chatting with you. And right now, um, you know, people can find me on Instagram, uh, at William Shufelt. My last name is S-H-E-W-F-E-L-T, uh, YouTube as well. So youtube.com slash Will Shufelt. They can, if they're more interested in the health side of things, check out the P-E-diet.com. The PE Diet. I think actually it's pedietbook.com, um, and that's where Dr. Naaman and I have the PE Diet book, which you can get as a as a digital copy or as a physical copy. Um, and yeah, those those are the main things that I'm up to right now. Uh, music's on Spotify. If you guys want to check that out, uh, Spotify, Amazon, whichever streaming service you use, and that is what I'm up to
0: awesome it Was great chatting with you
1: awesome thanks for having me on
0: <laughs> glad your battery lasted and
1: yes yes sure they uh, have seven uh, percent we're good
0: awesome yeah
1: cool man all right well good good chatting with you dude
0: same great then all right um, have a great rest of your day yeah you too bye